Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Welcome. The MBA Road Show, episode number 345. My name is John Morgan coming to you from Midtown Manhattan, hanging out in New York for USC 268. Oh man, what a damn card this is going to be! And uh, it's just an iconic venue, you know, Madison Square Garden. I mean, come on, you know, new, I, listen, if you guys listen for a long time, you know, New York City isn't necessarily my favorite city on earth, it's just you know. I, it's 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 a great city. I mean, you got all the food you can eat, you got all the people, the energy, I mean, everything you want to do, but it's all just so crowded, you know what I mean? Traffic all the time. It's a little cold up here during the winter times. So I'm not hating on New York City. I'm just saying there are other places that I enjoy a little bit more. But when it comes to crowds, MMA crowds in particular, I haven't gone to other sporting events, but you hear about them, of course, but I can verify for the MMA crowds, something special here, man. I mean, Madison Square Garden clearly like an iconic venue i mean that's 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 one of the world's i mean they call it the world's most famous arena so i guess it is one of the world's most famous arenas um but it is an iconic venue and people you know great things historic things have happened there and the fighters even get excited to be there but the crowds are something special man <laughs> the crowds are something special they're 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 rowdy uh, i love them at press conferences when they're heckling people and and openly booing and cheering and i mean it just makes for a, a special atmosphere so pumped up for ufc 268 and of course the card is fantastic we're going to talk about it uh cold coffee not with me this week uh so sh- send shout outs to him send love to him he's back home in las vegas uh still working on securing uh, a new location for the expansive grounds of the Casa de Cold Coffee. And uh, he's struggling, man. Uh, shout out to everybody out there, man. I've been talking to people this week, and it sounds like, man, this is just everywhere in, in, in the market right now. It's just impossible to get, man. He's basically, uh, to recap the story real quick, his land uh, landlord is raising his rent by about 30%, man. So you can imagine how crappy that is to find out that you, know, you want to renew your lease. He's been in the damn house for 10 years. Uh, so you can find, you know, consider that you, you think you're going to renew your lease and be good to go. And they say, oh, by the way, we're going to jack up your rent 30%. And, uh, and by the way, we might do it again after another year. So, hey, <laughs> want to sign the contract? No, no. Nah, but uh, but the problem is, man, I, I, I guess, you know, he's he's been telling me that, like, he'll find a property and, and want to put a, a contract on it. And in a day, it's gone. Like, as soon as these things hit the market, they're gone, man, and it sounds like that's happening all over the country, man. So shout out to to Cold Coffee for sure, but shout out to anybody that's going through that, man. It just seems like an absolute uh, nightmare if you're trying to find a place to live right now. So uh, yeah, sucks for my man, Cold Coffee. But because of that, that means I'm handling video duties. So it's it's been a little bit different for me. Uh, keeps me on my toes, you know. I don't I don't have quite the high quality gear that the Cold Coffee does. So apologies in advance to anybody that's seen the MMA Junkie. Uh, video coverage and been like, is this just a little bit less good than normal? Uh, I'm doing my best, man. But uh, yeah, cold coffee is the the seasoned, trained professional, uh, and I'm feeling it. But it's it's good to be well rounded. I always tell people, you know, you got those young journalists. They're like, hey, man, what advice would you give me? What you know, what man, learn to do everything. You you got to do it all. You can't be just a writer these days anymore, man. You got to be able to do it all. So it's good for me to. I guess keep my skills sharp, if you will, but uh, I get nervous, man, because I don't want to screw it up, you know. So it's uh, it's, we've been here a couple of days in New York, and I'm 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 t- I feel like I'm tense, man. You know, I don't want to be the guy that screws it up because cold coffee wasn't here, and then you know we don't have a clip of something or we don't have a video of something, and you know it cost them and made junkie money, or people wonder why our coverage is bad, so. Uh, it's it's uh it's frustrating. Of course, the live stream of the media media day, we were having internet problems, and uh, yeah, it's I get so upset, man, because people in the in the chat, and and you know we talk sometimes, say social media, bah, get away from it, uh, you know people or whatever, they but they just they're so mean, and I'm like, dude, 
I, I can't help that the hotel internet just dropped. Like, what am I supposed to do? And then, you know, I got my phone, and my phone's got 5G. Uh, but because we're in the middle of a New York building, you know what I mean? It's like, imagine this huge shell of a skyscraper. We're in the center of it. You know, you don't get good cell signal either. So the upload speeds are bad. And, oh, man, people are just talking trash in the YouTube chat. I'm like, what? bro, you don't think I feel bad about this? Like, I'm actually having anxiety right now about this. And you're, and you're, and you're yelling at me, calling me stupid. <laughs> it's so frustrating, man. Uh, but it's good to keep sharp. It's good to keep sharp. So I've been the video guy. Uh, the young Mike Bond is here with me in New York as well. Uh, he's handling the uh, the reporter duties for us. So uh, we are your, your MMA junkie coverage. Uh, it's been a busy week. I, listen, I get into USC 268. Right? I did want to throw a couple of things real quick. It's been a busy week. Um, CFSC was this past week, and of course, that wonderful USC 267 card. And then we had dual events at Cage Fury Fighting Championships. Friday night was Fury Professional Grappling 2. Saturday, uh, after USC 267, uh, we had a CFSC show as well. Great shows, by the way. Great, great shows. Uh, I didn't get to call um, the CFSC show. Uh, there was some concern from the from the uh, powers that be at MMA Junkie that uh, I would not have my work done from USC 267 in time uh, to be able to work that show. So, therefore, uh, I was not allowed to do so. Uh, yeah, ugh, frustrating story there. But I wasn't allowed to do it. Anyway, Chase Hooper filled in for me. Uh, so, it was Chase Hooper and CM Punk. I got to just sit in the crowd and watch it, which was nice. Uh, some... <laughs> You, you may have seen me chug a chug a beer on the internet as well. That was kind of a viral moment. That was kind of funny to do, uh, but it was a great show. So check that out. Great replay there. Uh, I actually got to watch USC 267 with Chase. So that was kind of cool to uh, you know to have a professional fighter there to, to to kind of pick his brain. And we're talking about it, you know, watching the show and 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 getting some you know some of his thoughts and perspective on stuff as as we were doing that. You know, I don't. I don't normally get to do stuff like that, like the watch-alongs and things like that, because I'm uh, I'm doing play-by-play for most events. So that was kind of fun to do. And then, like I said, Chase and, and CM Punk called the show that night. They had a lot of finishes, man. So it was a fun, fun show. So check that replay out on Fight Pass. Also, listen, I don't know if you're a big grappling fan or not, but if 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 you are, definitely check it out. We had Fury Pro Grappling 2 was on Friday night. It was the second grappling event we've done with CFSC. Um, man, I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I think the production team there does such – a great job with the presentation of it, man. It just looks good, man. I think it, the product looks good, and the card was fun, man. So you know, if you're if you're a big grappling fan, definitely check it out. If you're not, but maybe you're just kind of into it, check it out anyway. See what you think, man, because they're doing a really good job of getting the MMA crossover in. I think they understand that um, you know Fight Pass has a lot of MMA fans. If they want to help grow the grappling product, you know, give us give us somebody that we know, give us somebody that we can relate to. And, and the headliner was Marab Dwalish, really. Uh, who just put on an absolute show. It was so fun. He he ended up, uh, I guess, I was going to say, I guess I shouldn't spoil it if I'm asking you to watch, but it's a news event. I can't spoil a, a week-old event. He, he lost me a decision, right, um, to Kevin Dantzler, who's a, a BJJ black belt. But it was a fun match. And Dantzler is, uh, you know, kind of your traditional BJJ pull guard um, and, and, and made it tough. And meanwhile, Marab is Marab. So, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he was stepping on the leg. He was diving in. He was jumping through. He's, he's yelling at Kevin Dantzler, man. He's, he's, he's screaming at him. I mean, he put on a damn show. It was so fun to watch. Um, but the, the rule set that we use at Fury Pro Grappling is using judges to decide the winner. And they're looking at uh, closest to finishing the fight. Well, you know, if you're in that in that guard position and Marab is is going in, every now and then he would get his foot trapped. Now, there was one time I think if I if I'm trying to recall the whole match in my head right now, I think there was one time where he got kind of deep on it. And if there was more, I apologize. I don't mean any disrespect to Kevin Dancer, but um, it, there weren't a ton where you were like, oh, this is over. This is over. But they were the only real submission attempts. Marab just couldn't get past. Um, the guard, man. I mean, he was Dancer was so good at, at, at open guard. You know, sitting down, open guard, inverting when he got in, keeping the hips in place, and, and just you know retaining that position and attacking the legs. So Dancer did it to perfection. Um, but Marab was just so fun, you know. And obviously, I'm a big Marab Watch really fan, but uh, it was fun, man. It was it was really worth checking out. But uh, Daniel Kelly was on there, you know, the fast rising superstar there, the legend. Jay-Z Cavalcante was there, man. That was great to see Jay-Z. Uh, absolute honor to call his match. You know, I, I've covered so much of his career over the years, and uh, it was cool to actually be able to call one of his matches. That was fun. We were supposed to have uh, Jasmine Jazadavicius, who, of course, came through CFSC and then got uh, on, on uh, onto the Contender Series and qualified for the UFC there. Um, but she had some uh, – there were some 
border crossing issues. I think, you know, she's Canadian. So I think it's a coach. I, I don't know exactly what the full story is. We lost her on fight week. So that was a shame, but hopefully we'll get her in a future event. But it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So great weekend. And then I come home, uh, and it was really, it was only home like a little bit less than 48 hours. Uh, so it was busy, you know, I wanted to spend some time with the family. Uh, we had a, a Sunday lunch where we ran into Flav with Flav, uh, which was pretty cool to see. I uh, always like to see Flav around town in, in Las Vegas, man, a, a legend there. So had, uh, Eli went and took a picture with Flavor Flav, and then we spent the afternoon, uh, educating about Public Enemy and <laughs> listening to some of that music and talking about the influence that they had, and, uh, so that was kind of cool. Um, but then you gotta do things like, uh, you know, laundry and pay bills and, um, you know, knowing I was going to be gone a week, I always like to help out the wife and, you know, try to maybe do some food prep or just help clean, you know, cause, uh, obviously when, when I'm gone, she's a single mom. So, uh, try to help out as much as I can there. So, uh, this, this past week, it felt like the old days, man, you know, to, to go on one trip, come home and, you know, be home 48 hours and head on to the next place, man. It, it felt for the first time in a long time, like the old days, man, back when the MMA road show was the MMA road show and not the MMA at home in Vegas every week show. So, uh, busy 48 hours, but, um, but, but pretty damn cool. And, and now we get ready for USC 268. Uh, just one last shout out before we really jump into it. Uh, did get to hang out last night uh, with Cody Merrow, uh, who many of you may know is the uh, producer of the Anakin and Florian podcast, as well as uh, Bilal Muhammad's Remember the Show and uh, the Weekly Scraps with Aljamain Sterling as well. So he produces all those shows, um, and he's uh, he's been a longtime supporter of the MMA Roadshow and uh, has become a good friend, man. So we caught up last night. He actually, we were texting afterwards. He's like, man, that was like an unofficial, uh, an unofficial episode of the Roadshow. I'm like, damn, damn it. Yeah, we were sitting there having some cold beers, talking about USC 268. Man, we should have been recording. <laughs> the podcast would be done already. We'd be out a day early. So uh, shout out to Cody Miro, man. He's been doing big things in the space, and it's good to see you. It was good to catch up with him, man. It's uh, it is fun to be on the road and actually see everybody again. You know, in these big cards, they definitely bring it out. So UFC 268, Usman versus Covington too. Of course, this is kind of like that that triple header, right? I mean. Uh, of course, we're going to talk about uh, Rose Nama, Yunus, and Zhang Wiley. Of course, we're going to talk about Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje. The hell was that? Is that like a, a fire alarm or something? All right. Well, <laughs> as we carry on things, uh, you know, I think this is one of those cards. I mean, you got to talk about all three of those when you're when you're talking about USC two sixty eight. You're talking about the excitement of it, right? You're talking about all three of those fights. You know, Usman Covington, Nami Yunus, Wiley, and of course Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje, uh, which is now opening the pay per view, and, and we will talk about that because I, I do think that that has some impact on this card. Um, and not just from a presentation perspective. I mean, I think uh, we'll see how it weighs in there. But the crown jewel is Kamaru Usman and, and Colby Covington, right? I mean, this is uh, the, the rematch. The the uh, y- you know the bad blood is still there. Uh, you know, this is the one that we've been waiting for. This was the the biggest test that Usman has had in his career, and we're going to see um, if Covington can do it again, right? You know, was that uh, you know was that a, a singular night performance where he was at his best? Was it not? How have things changed? I mean, this is in intriguing to say the least and maybe if Covington can't get it done who can against this version of Usman who just continues to get better and better and better uh man it's it's uh so fun to watch his development so what I want to do is I want to uh, play a little bit of the media day. He had a very, very extensive uh, media day interview. I kind of pared it down a little bit so you don't have to listen to all 27 minutes of it. Um, but but a couple of key things here. Uh, you'll hear the voices of uh, Mike Bond, uh, Jose Young, Oscar Willis, and Mark Raimondi. So a couple of uh, uh, talented colleagues there kind of handling things. Again, I kind of backed away to, to handle the video duties. We had eighteen people uh, at media day. So I knew. I was like, man, if I'm trying to stop – to uh, to ask some questions and then and then do video. Uh, I'm never gonna get all these video videos produced. And uh, shout out to shout out to Cole Coffee, who even though he was not here in New York, was helping me out uh, because my internet connection was so slow. We have to upload it to two places. You know, we upload to YouTube and we also upload to our our primary video player. Um, and uh, he was basically 
taking it from uh, one place and putting it in the other so that I didn't have to upload twice because uh, the internet speed was so so bad. So it was a team effort uh, to help me get everything done with my responsibilities. Uh, so anyway, here's a little bit of Usman because I want to I want you to hear a couple things and then want to talk about it in relation to this fight. Uh, so here is the champ, uh, top pound for pound fighter on the planet right now, according to a lot of people. Here he is, Kamaru Usman. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Kamaru. Uh, thanks for the time today. How are you doing? Wait, John, you didn't get the first question? Come he's, on. He's doing video right now, so he's past the reins. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, obviously, this is a rematch people have wanted to see for a long time. Uh, it's been almost two years. How much do you think you've evolved since the first fight? Do you think you've kind of, I know you said you've lapped the division, but do you feel like you've lapped Colby in terms of skills? Yeah, I mean... Um... I'm just in a place to where I understand what I do. I understand where I'm at. You know, early on in my career, it was like, oh, you live and fight. Literally, you're living fight to fight. So it's like, I got to survive. I got to win. I got to win. I got to win. I'm in a position now to where it's, you know, I just want to perform the best that I can. I want to continue to have these legendary performances because, you know, I have a lot less to go than where I've come from. So I um, want to make them memorable. So my daughter... My kids can look back one day and say, wow, daddy, you did that, you know. So that, that's really what I care about right now. And you're never short on confidence as it was, but to do what you did to Jorge Masvidal in the last fight, um, what did that do to just your self-belief and just, you know, not only knowing what you can do, but seeing it put into practice? A lot of this is, is, is manifestation and in, in the work that I've put in. You know, you, you put in a lot of work for years, like, and, I, and I say it, and I know I say it, it's kind of hard for people to imagine, but you know, I was putting in work when I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was putting in work just to work, hoping that one day it's gonna turn into something. And it eventually did. And of course you visualize and you imagine all the things that you wanna do. And I knew it right after that fight. I don't know if you guys ever saw, you saw the video on uh, Anatomy of a Fighter, you know, shout out to my man, Will Harris. Um, I was backstage and I was just unhappy. I was unhappy with the performances. Like I mentioned earlier, I want to go out there and leave these performances to where when I'm done, I, I, I can look back and be happy with. And I was unhappy with that. I was like, no, you know, yes, it was tough because I took the fight on six days notice. And um, as hard as it is to believe, I went through more adversity than he did. But of course, mine wasn't published because I don't need to do all of that, you know. And going out there and still been performing like that. I just didn't feel like that was my best. So I wanted to right that wrong. So of course I was confident. I knew what I was able to do. I knew what I wanted to do and I knew what I was going to do. I manifested it. I saw it over and over and trained it, practiced it, went out there and to uh, put an emphatic finish like that on for the people. It really lets you guys know what I've been saying for years, you know? I'm the most vicious and most well-rounded welterweight there's ever been. And um, I think that proved it. Before Israel uh, rematched Marvin Vittori, he kind of pointed to your fight against Jorge where you didn't have to take that fight. You just you still took it to, to answer the questions. And he viewed that as starting the second lap, which he's now doing. So is this the start of the second lap for you around this division against Colby? The start? <laughs> I'm running. I'm sprinting past these dudes. I'm looking back and smiling at them now. You know, this is uh, this is a fun one. I'm I'm having fun with this now. That's the thing. I'm I'm having fun with it now. Um, like I, I I've I've said before, I've been classically trained in in all of this in this sport. You know, coming up and watching guys like Sugar Rashad Evans and going with him to these media tours and and these big big fights. You know, um, I was able to get an inside look at what this could be to out to where I was able to dream and manifest what I wanted to be. So being up here and, and, and having these opportunities now, I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm blessed and, um, you know, it feels great. I'm having fun. And obviously since your first fight with him, you've since joined Trevor Whitman. He's also changed camps and he said he's added a whole lot of new wrinkles to his game. So are you expecting a completely new Colby Covington or is it like, like what, what Tyson Fury's corner said when they fought Dante Wilder, like a fighter's always just going to go back to what got them to the dance, no matter how much they try to add this deep into their career. Yeah, I'm, I mean, obviously you guys have saw what I've done because, you know, I've been fighting, you know, so you guys have seen that. Uh, for him, 
I can't necessarily say the same because knowing the kind of guy that he is, and I, we, like I said, we have mutual friends, so I get a good glimpse. I've, I've gotten a good glimpse of who this guy is outside of the cage. And judging by that, you know, I think um, he's the same asshole. And, yeah, just at a new team. So at the end of the day, when you get in there with a lion like me and I hit you in the mouth, you're going to resort to what you know best and you're going to throw whatever those coaches are saying out the window because you don't really give a shit because you're really an asshole. Kamari, you, we mentioned Hamzat here and you said, you know, you haven't got long left in this career. When people start bringing up names like him to you, is there a feeling of like, oh, a champion's work is never done. Like you get rid of one guy and there's already the next guy ahead of you. I mean, that's, that's how it is. Like, come on. After I get done with the fight, what, what did you guys do last time? I just put sent Masvidal to the shadow realm and you guys are, so who's next? Is Kobe next? You know, like that's, that's what it is. It's always going to be that way. And if all champions, you know, especially some of the best champions in the world continue to listen to that, then basically all you guys want to see is me continue to be successful until I'm not successful. Then you guys can then put that stamp on it and say, ah, he's washed up. He needs to leave. You know, I want to be that champion who does it. On, I want to do it on my own time. You know, I like 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 Habib, and and I know a lot of people are are have been throwing a lot of shades, saying a lot of things about Habib leaving when he wanted to leave. That's how you do it. You know, even George St. Pierre. That's how you do it. You leave when you want to leave. You know, you don't let the sport retire you. So, yeah, whenever I feel like you know that time's there. Um, it's time for me to go. We speak about you lapping the division now, and I think you're in this legacy building phase of your career where people are just kind of throwing any situation at you to see, oh, what can he rise to? You know, I saw you do an interview yesterday, like, oh, can you win another belt? For you personally, what builds more for your legacy? Lapping a division over and over again or winning a second title in a one-off? To me, I don't really... Let's be honest. I've, I've kind of done what there is to do in, in, in MMA, in UFC. You know, this Saturday, live on ESPN pay-per-view at Madison Square Garden. What's bigger than that? I've headlined pay-per-views before. The first event back with fans. And, and, and look how that looked, how that pay-per-view went. You know, fought Kobe the first time. T-Mobile Arena, headline that. You know, went all the way to Abu Dhabi, headline that. in Fight Island won. I mean, what is there to do in the sport? I've, I've done it all, you know. Um, you talk about legacy. Like, look what I've done to this point. You know, when, when I'm done and I walk away, guys are going to look back and say, wow, he was special, just like we've done with some of the greats. And so if I'm looking at legacy, I want to do something that's not been done before. You know, these guys don't really scare me anymore. I mean, of course, there is the fear of myself and not, you know, competing and not looking the way that I want to look. But what scares me is, is since when in history have we ever seen pound for pound in both combat sports at the, their prime? Go at it. We've never seen that. You know, wouldn't the world love to see that? I know I would. You mentioned uh, pound for pound versus pound for pound. I assume you're talking about Canelo Alvarez, the pound for pound top boxer. Yes, absolutely. Since when have we ever seen the pound for pound mixed martial artists go up against the pound for pound boxer, both in their prime? Not when they're old or retired and you're trying to pull them back, both in their prime. I think that's something that um, I, I think the biggest ever in history. And that's what I'm looking to do. That's something that scares me. That's something that gets me up in the morning. That's something that I might risk leaving my daughter for another 12 weeks for. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. That's something that I'm looking at. And, you know, God willing, you know, this Saturday we do what we need to do. Then why not? Will you, will you actively try to make that fight happen if you beat Colby on Saturday? I mean, yeah, you know, pound for pound mixed martial artists in the world versus pound for pound boxer in the world, promoted by the pound for pound Dana White. Why not? Why not? You know, why not? All right, so there he was, the champ. By the way, uh, I did check in the hallway. I don't see anybody rushing out of their room, so hopefully the building's not on fire right now. Uh, I'm at the Hilton Garden Inn, so if you uh, if you hear any things of fire going on, <laughs> that's what that was. I was hoping it's not like a – I did think, like, hopefully it wasn't like an alarm in just my room to tell me I'm being too damn loud. Like, is that possible? I hope not. <laughs> but anyway, all right, the champ there, Usman. All right, a couple things here. Um 
First of all, shout out to the champ for having my back. Uh, <laughs> had a couple people look at me kind of funny when I wasn't asking the first question at media day, so that was kind of funny. But uh, shout out to the champ for, for ha- having my back in that one. Now, here's the thing. When you hear him talk, man, this is a guy that really believes in himself right now. I mean, this is a guy who has the utmost in confidence and belief in who he is as a fighter and who he is as a human being. And I think that's a great thing, man. We talk about it all the time. This game is so mental. Um, and confidence is so much uh, a factor in things. And there's just times you can tell when guys have it versus guys that are trying to talk themselves into having it. And he has it right now. He has that supreme and utmost self-belief. And I think that's a big thing, especially because, you know, I've I've known him for a while. You know, we, we called some shows together under the Titan banner years ago when he was first starting his run. And, um, I, and, I, and I like him, man. I, I think he's gotten kind of a bad rap along the way. And I think people are starting to really have a better understanding of how good he is and, and what he means and, and all these things. But And I think he's just really, like I said, coming to himself and his confidence as a person as well. So I, I, I love seeing it. You know, I love seeing it because, I, you know, he saw all the backlash over the years. And I think it kind of disappointed him because he's out here trying to do the best he can, you know. And um, it wasn't clicking. But I, I think it's clicking now. So I, I really like to see that. Um, I did love the line. I'm just going to be honest. I love the line. And you knew, you guys know I love me some Colby Covington too. But the uh, he's just the, he's the same asshole just at a new team. <laughs> uh, that is solid to me, if I'm being honest, man. I really uh, I, I dug that. I, I like the little subtle digs, you know? Um, anyway, well, I guess I, I don't know if you'd really qualify as subtle. But you know what I mean? They don't have to be big things. Just little, just little lines. But here's the thing that does concern me a little bit is the and this sounds weird because I, I, the focus this guy is one of the hardest working I mean you talk to people around this dude is the hardest working so I, when I say focus I like I don't think this guy's not putting it in in the gym or you know half ass in his training camps or anything like that but it scares me a little bit when you start talking about yeah I don't know how much longer I'm going to be doing this you know I don't I don't know how much longer this is for me that scares me a little bit. Now, you know, he combats that by saying, so that, you know, so while I'm doing it, I want to make sure it's as special as possible and I want to make sure it's, you know, memorable and that I accomplish these things for my legacy because I'm really not sure how much longer I'm going to be doing this. It just always concerns me a little bit, you know, and, and, and not in the idea that, like, I think he cut corners or I think he didn't take the right steps. But this game, man, a lack of mental focus for one second when you're thinking about something else, when you're, when you're, you know, allowing yourself to do anything else. You know, are you, are you trying to perform a certain way in the cage? Are you trying to do a certain thing in order to set yourself up for another career? You know, are you singularly focused only on performing at your best and winning and doing what it takes to do that? Or are you allowing your mind to drift elsewhere? That concerns me a little bit. It concerns me a little bit that he says he wants the box. Um... And it's crazy because it, you know, I I, I do kind of hate the fact that you know mixed martial arts have to chase boxers, right? Um, because you know the boxers ain't coming into mixed martial arts. That's just not going to happen. Uh, the, the the boxer skill set, of course, in a mixed martial arts fight is not going to translate. And I think the mixed martial artists all feel that well, my skill set will translate because I do box as part of my training regimen and. It's tough, man. It's tough. It's not you're not boxing on that level. There are as as they like to say, there are levels to that game of boxing. And I just don't know that, that our guys, if I could say that, you know, MMA are at that level. And so that concerns me a little bit, you know, and again, where's your head at? What do you think about are you spending time in training camp, uh, boxing, you know, a little too much rather than working on it? I don't know. And you know, I mean listen, if he can pull it off, I mean it would be pretty cool, right? Him and Canelo now. Do I give him much of a chance? But what a spectacle, right? Top pound for pound in boxing, top pound for pound in mixed martial arts. You know, they're going at it. I I like that. I like the willingness to do it. You know, is that all just, you know, maybe, look, maybe this is all just him, uh, you know, just talking money or talking about options so that when he goes to to, to Dana White and Hunter Campbell and, and they can talk about his future, that he's got leverage because he's got other options on the table. So it could be just that simple. Um, but it concerns me a little bit. It concerns me a little bit. Um, that said, I'm still picking Usman in this fight. I, I really am. I guess the question is going to come down to how much has Kobe Covington really adjusted working with the MMA Masters crew? Um, you know, he's working uh, – MMA Masters, a, a fantastic camp with some great coaches, some guys I really, truly like, man. I've always enjoyed interacting with them, and I respect the work that they do. 
but you know, has it made a, a tangible impact this short into uh, their relationship together? Because you know, it, it, granted, it's been a while, you know, but it's 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 the first fight together, right? So how much has has really been done at that point? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, and I think that's the big question. So uh, did get a chance to speak to Colby Covington as well. I, I actually did ask a question here. Uh, I jumped in. I got on the mic because I just he, he said something, and I wanted to follow up on it. And uh, we actually had kind of a brief comical interaction as well. So uh, here is a, a little bit of Colby Covington's time in front of the media as well, which, of course, you know comes with a little bit of Colby Covington shtick. Uh, but, uh, you know, a little bit of something to talk about as well. So here's here is uh, chaos. Colby, uh, finally the fight week you've been waiting such a long time for, man. I know uh, you want this fight much sooner than it happened, but as we talked about earlier this year, you waiting for New York, Madison Square Garden. Does this feel like the right time for all this to finally happen? Yeah, I think it's the perfect time. You know, this first fight was supposed to be in Madison Square Garden, so better late than never. Now, now we get to do the rematch here. It makes it that much bigger and that much more special. So I'm just so excited for Saturday night and got so many surprises in store. Yeah, can you give us any hints of what those might look like? Oh, come on, man. You know I'm the king of spoilers, but I can't be giving no spoilers out. You know, you watch the beginning of a movie, you don't get to see the end. You got to pay attention. You got to watch the movie to see the ending. What's the feeling uh, towards Kamaro coming into this week? I know there's been, uh, you know, a lot of heat going into the first fight, but there's been a, a little less you know, media and stuff like that going into this one. So can you just kind of vocalize what you feel about him right now? Yeah, I just... I go to bed every single night with revenge on my mind, and I realize that revenge is a dish best served cold, and I'm going to serve that revenge dish to Marty on Saturday night, and I got some really bad intentions for him. He's not going to want to come back for round three after I'm done with him Saturday night. Uh, what do you think is the biggest difference within you since the first fight? I know like you probably maybe there's not even that many holes to poke in from your perspective from the first fight because you feel like you were wrong by the tactics and the referee and stuff. But what do you feel you need to change for this rematch? Uh, you know, first thing that I changed, the biggest thing is the people around me, the team that I have around me now, Daniel Valverde, my judo jujitsu coach, my, my my striking coach, Cesar Carnero, and, and my strength and conditioning coach, Jonathan Lopez, and my other coach, Charlie Weiss, they've I just have a newfound energy around me, people that actually genuinely care about me and they want to see me win. They're not just showing up to get paychecks and just work to throw me out there into the fire. They actually have been developing my skills and we've been growing as a fighter every single day. And, and uh, you know, you're going to see new wrinkles in my game. We've updated the software. I'm going to control all delete Marty on Saturday night. And with that in mind, and you kind of look back at the first fight, um, do you see things that maybe, whether it was through tactics in your training camp or advice you got in the fight itself that weren't the right things that now you can see with these people has changed dramatically? Absolutely. If you go back and look at the first fight and the instructions that I were getting, they were telling me something that I do every single day. They were saying, Colby, breathe. Dude, we breathe every single day. Why are you telling me to breathe? I mean, everybody in this room knows how to breathe. Not everybody knows how to fight and knows how to instruct fighters and in the right instructions to fight. So I made a lot of mistakes in that first fight. And I still, that was my worst night. And I was still able to do that. And that was his best night. So Saturday night, you're going to see the upgraded software. And it's been a long layoff for you. Um, are you someone who has any belief in cage rust? Or do you think once you get in there, it's just going to be right back into your groove? You know, I work hard every single day in silence and I let success make the noise. And, you know, people that believe in ring rust are the people that are mentally weak. If you believe that there's ring rust, yeah, you, then it's probably going to happen. I don't believe in that. I've been making so many strides with my new gym, with my new coaches, Daniel, Cesar, Dan Jonathan, Charlie. We've developed a new game plan, a new strategy. And, and you know, we're going to show you guys Saturday night. I can't tell you, you know, I, I, I'm the king of spoilers, but I can't give you any secrets. And last one for me, um, you mentioned you're going to control, I'll delete him. He's not going to want a part three. So what does the Colby Covington title reign look like if you got this done? Is it Leon Edwards? Is it the new guy on the block, Hamza Chemaev? What are you looking forward to in terms of your title reign? 
uh, you know, come shot Jemayev, you know, he's got to do a lot more work than get three fights in the UFC. You know, you guys hype these guys up real quick, but let's not forget that he was put down by the common cold. He was ready to retire off the common cold. That's a 99.9% survival rate to beat the common cold. And come shot Jemayev was ready to give it up and retire. So, you know, he, he doesn't want to fight me. He's got a way less chance than 99.9% .9 chance against me. So who do you think it will be? You know, as the people's champion, you know, I do what the people want and what the UFC wants. Whoever the biggest fight is, you know, that's the fight I want, you know. But, you know, I'll leave that hands in the people and the UFC who they want me to fight next. Colby, I'm not sure that's the proper pronunciation of Shemaya's first name. I'll just throw that out there. But uh, I want to ask you, what, what, what did your new coaches say? when you, I'm sure you guys sat down and watched the first fight, right? And they weren't involved. What were their immediate observations that they saw that they knew they could make a difference with you? What's the proper way to say his name, then? It's not Cumshot? I don't think so. I, oh, some of those are a little tricky, I know, but yeah. I think it's Hamzad, I believe. Oh, tomato, tomato. Fair enough, fair enough. Whatever. So what, what were the observations? When you, I mean, you guys probably sat down and watched the fight, right? What, what, did, they, what did they see in that? Uh, we just saw a lot of mistakes that I made. We saw, you know, how I, I was fighting emotional. I threw my game plan out the window. You know, I just wanted to put a good show for the fans and... You know, I, I didn't stick to what got me to the dance, you know, and that's pace, pressure, wrestling, and just an all-rounded mixed martial arts game. So we've dissected every second of it, every millisecond of it, and we see a lot of the tendencies and patterns that he has in his game, and, you know, we just know we're going to expose him Saturday night. So God bless, you know, Cesar Carnero and Daniel Valverde, Charlie Weiss, and Jonathan Lopez. We had a great game plan, and we're ready to go. All right, Colby Covington. Uh, uh, <laughs> where to begin? This cum shot Himayev. Uh, oh, jeez, tongue twister. Cum shot Shimayev, I guess I should say. Um, I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. I said, I like. I, again, subtle is not necessarily the asshole thing from earlier, but I, and it, I don't know that we should be printing that. Like, can we use that? We did. We put it on MMA Junkie. We put we put the the just the full. I don't. I'm not the PC guy, but I don't know that we should be printing that in the headlines. Uh, but I will say credit to, to Colby for the quickness of the tomato-tomato uh, comeback there. I thought that was pretty funny. But the question that I asked, you know, and I really did want to, to hear the answer, you know what I mean? And I do like what he said there, that we fought too emotional, and we got to take a little bit of emotion out of it. Now, and I feel like he's done that well you know I mean he of course he's still cutting the promos and he's still giving us all the the pre-fight stuff but I think he's absolutely right there you know if he doesn't get emotional I think that does play to his benefit now uh pace pressure wrestling exactly what he said those are all the things right those are the reasons we thought that he was the toughest matchup uh for Kamaru Usman right is because he can match the pace he can match the pressure he can match the wrestling um he's the perfect kind of match so to speak for Usman but can he beat him in those things? Because those are the things he's going to have to beat him in, right? So I think that's what I've come to think about this matchup. You know, I always wanted to see this fight between these two, and I always wanted it to be meaningful, you know, when they met because of, of, of you know, what needed to be on the line. And it was, and it turned out to be an amazing fight. And we know what happens when wrestlers kind of cancel each other out, right? And, and they're stuck striking. Now, you know, can Covington outpace? Can he outpressure? Can he outwrestle? That's tough, man. That's tough because I do think Usman continues to just get better and better and better and, and, and developing right in front of our eyes. And all the things that everybody says, I think those are true. So I still think this is a tough matchup for Colby Covington. But, you know, can things change a little bit? We'll see. I mean, I don't I don't know that you can teach Colby Covington to knock out power, right? But if he does keep that relentless pace, maybe he can outwork Usman a little bit. You know, if, if Usman's trying to trying to pick his shots or load up on the big stuff, or maybe he's falling in love with his power now and he thinks he can knock everybody out, which, uh, you know, the way, the way he knocked out Maswell, I'm not saying he can't. But you know how sometimes people fall in love with that and then and then the, instead of just letting it come to them, now they're trying to force that issue and push that and, and land that big shot. And in the meantime, Covington's throwing volume, volume, volume. So listen, I'm I'm intrigued by this fight. I did pick Usman. I do believe he's he's operating at such a high level right now um, that it's hard for me to imagine anybody unseating him. But I still contend that Colby Covington has the best type of game possible to do that. 
Um, you know, other than just, I guess, having freakish Nganu-like knockout power and catching him with one shot. If you're going to do it over time, which I think it's going to take, I think Colby Covington still has what it takes. So I'm intrigued by this. And, and, and it's for me, I'm just so intrigued by this stylistically versus the stuff that goes along with it. You know what I mean? And And I don't know if it's just because the Colby shtick or because we've had so much of it. Um, the storyline stuff is not why I'm intrigued by this fight. It's all about the stylistic matchup to me. And uh, and I'm pumped for it, man. It's going to be a big one. I think it's it's going to be a good one. Um, you know, I hear a lot of people saying, hey, I don't think it's as close as the first one. You know, I think Usman dominates. And that may be true. That may be true. It could absolutely happen because the way Usman is fighting right now, it wouldn't shock me. But Covington has been a stiffest test. And I think Covington... In in at least in 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 talk, seems to have done the right things to prepare for round number two. So I'm pumped up, man. I think this is going to be a big, big main event, and it's not about the 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 rivalry to me. I just think it's going to be a great fight. So um, man, looking forward to this. Uh, Rose Nama Yunus Zhang Wiley, the co-main event, the women's strawweight title is on the line. Of course, uh, a a big big. Uh, rematch here as well, and one that I just don't think can ever play out exactly the same way, right? I mean, there's no way that fight ends like that again. And I'm I'm, I'm pumped by this one because, you know, this was a fight we were, we were heavily anticipating, and I feel like we didn't really get to see it. We didn't get to see it play out. And so for that reason, I'm I'm, I'm pretty excited about this one to, to see exactly, you know, what happens here. I, I'm torn on this pick. I really am torn on this pick because I think Jang Wai Lee is good. And, and I think that you know she is she is not the, the last performance is not indicative of her skill level, right? I mean, losing in 78 seconds is not indicative of her skill level. Um, that fight with Yoanni and Jacek, oh, one of the greatest fights of all time. Um, you know, she did have the, the the quick win over Jessica Andrade. We know how much you know how good Jessica Andrade is. Um, she did have a win over Jessica Aguilar. I mean. You know, there's some talk that, you know, you look at Zhang Wiley's record, and if you look at it, it's it's got a lot of names on there that don't really match up. And that's true. There's there's no argument in that. She's got some wins on there that's like, all right, you know, okay, move on. Um, but I still think she's a damn good fighter. Um, and, and I'm anxious to see this. Now, here's what's interesting, right? So she's she's relocated to Arizona. She got ready at fight ready. Um that's a good thing, right? Now you're you're talking about a high man, that camp is my goodness, they continue to build up that camp. That's a very, very good thing. Um did see Eric Abrasin this week and uh as you can imagine, Captain Eric was building up his pupil as he always does. He uh <laughs> I'm sure he's busted this out somewhere, but I hadn't seen it before. But he, he said uh get ready to see the great sprawl of China <laughs> I love me some Captain Eric, man. As cheesy as he may be sometimes, the great sprawl of China cracked me up a little bit. But he did say that that her wrestling, you know, they've really worked on it. They've really improved there. And he said, you know, when I started working with her, I said she was the greatest female athlete I'd ever worked with in my life. He said, I'm, I'm revising it. She just may be the greatest athlete I've ever worked with in my life, period, male or female. Um, and this was just, a, you know, us shooting the breeze, having a conversation. But remember... Eric Abaracin is one of the greatest promoters of all time. I mean, that's what he does. Like, ev- like everybody in his camp is the greatest of all time. So, you know, there's certain coaches and stuff when you hear him and they say something like that, you're like, oh, really? Like, they got your attention like that, huh? With Eric, it's just like okay, he's selling his guys, and he always and I love him for that. You know, he's trying to build them up, and he's trying to get them, uh, you know, attention in the media. You know, he loves all that stuff. He's like a a pro wrestling fan, so he's always you know trying to hype people up. So. You know, how much of that is, is just him having fun and hyping things up? We'll see. Um, but the other thing that's interesting, right, and I hear a lot of people saying, I bet she's going to have a more wrestling-heavy attack. Is that a good thing? Because I think Rose is, you know, while she's fluid as heck on the feet, you know, while we all love watching her striking um, because of how smooth and fluid she is, her grappling is sick. You know, and it's that scrambling jujitsu that, that, you know, it's not like she needs the power W and set up and mount. It's the, you know, turn to the triangle, turn to the arm, turn to what. So if you're Zhang Wiley, do you really want to go wrestle and, and engage in those positions? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So that's why I'm really intrigued by this. I just, I, 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 there's no way it plays out like the first time around, right? I mean, just, it just can't. I mean, can but you know what I'm saying it's just in all likelihood it's not going to right so what will we see 
you know, will we see just you know the, the pace and the and the and the outworking and the um, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know. So I, I struggled in this one, to be honest with you, on on uh, on on what to pick and how how I think this one's going to play out. I did ultimately go with Rose in this one, um, because I do feel like she has a lot of ways to win, you know, and uh, I, I don't know that 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 Zhang is going to uh, knock her out. You know, I think that she could out-pressure her and outpace her over the course of five rounds, but obviously Rose has that slick knockout power that can catch her, um, and she's got, I think, you know, the superior grappling game as well, so I think she's got options. So I'm intrigued by this one as well. Here's one other thing that I think kind of bodes well is this change. You know, the fact that we're moving Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje to the card opener, I think that's a really good thing for Rose. Now, Obviously, the, the link there is Trevor Whitman, right? Trevor Whitman is in the corner of Justin Gaethje, Rose Nami Yunus, and Kamaru Usman. Um, and so it was going to be an interesting night for Whitman, but an interesting night for those athletes as well, right? Because they've got to get ready without their head coach. And it's not that they can't stretch and warm up, and you know, it's not that somebody else can't hold pads for them. But, you know, especially with Trevor, man, it's it's that psychology, it's that mentality, it's everything else that's going on there. It's it's that the thing we always talk about, the mental side of this game is so much. And then when you talk about Rose, especially, right? I mean, we and and I don't I'm not trying to pick on her. I'm not saying anything, you know, bad about her, but you know, I think that the mental side of the game is an important part for her, right? And and so she needs not that she needs, you know, everything to go exactly right. But the more things that do, I think the better, right? So I think the fact that this guy moved around and that now she will have Trevor Whitman in her corner as she's getting ready. Trevor Whitman will be in that locker room guiding her through the warm-up, guiding her through the preparation, guiding her through you know all those final moments. I think that's, I think that's a bonus that she wasn't going to get earlier. And getting her in the right mindset. And, you know, Pat Berry is there as well. He knows her as well as anybody. And could probably, but I just think it's one more thing. I think it's one more thing in her favor. And I think it's it's a good one. So, you know, I'm not sure how that uh, entire process started. I don't know if, if Trevor Whitman went and requested it or, if uh, you know, there was, I, I, to be honest, I don't know how that process unfolded. But I think it benefited Rose the best out of everyone because you know Usman's already done it they did it before you know they've done it before um and again I think he's in that place right now where nothing's gonna affect him you know um I think this is a good thing for Rose um and by the way not a bad card opener for the pay-per-view right I mean typically you're trying to not that, that Shane Burgos and Billy Quarantilla was gonna be a bad opener but Chandler Gaethje is an opener I mean I talk about setting the tone right off the top man that's gonna be amazing man I I love that fight of course it's gonna be uh, a phenomenal fight uh, Michael Chandler at the media day I don't know if you had a chance to see the video uh, it was kind of funny because you know you know he walked in and I thought he had a I thought he had like a brace on his right arm I really did and then I thought because uh, he had like this this hoodie on and uh, the, the the right arm from about the elbow down, I guess that part of the hoodie was kind of that, you know, that tannish color, I guess, of, of of a brace. And I'm like, is he showing up to media day with a brace on his arm? What the hell is going on? But then he sat down and I thought, well, I'm, okay, I'm clearly stupid. Like, why would that happen? But then, because I'm working videos, kind of monitoring the chat and every everybody there um, was, uh, was, 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 saying the uh, the same thing so uh, again I didn't ask many questions um, but I but I did I just thought it was silly but I at least had to ask and, and get the answer directly from Michael Chandler uh, obviously in podcast form you can't see what it was uh, but I thought his answer was was a uh, was pretty funny hey Mike I just had one quick one it's kind of a silly one but the internet's going crazy here your right arm is that just part of your shirt there people are worried it's like some kind of uh, wrapper is there what, what what do we got going on there no man that's fashion no uh <laughs> no this is actually a, a designer named Greg Lauren um and it's he patches these things together, so it's kind of kind of cool. Every single piece is, is different, but um, I don't. I actually kind of liked it. I got together with, with my stylist Krista, and we we talked about kind of the working man mentality. You know, my dad made his living by wearing Carhartts. You know, uh, he's a, as a union carpenter. I was just talking to Coach Jason Stroud. His dad was a bricklayer. Logan Storley, who's here with me, his dad is uh, a farmer. So. Um, you know, it's kind of a shout out to even though we're here in the Big Apple, the mecca of of 
fashion here in, in New York City. Still just a working man, blue collar kid from the Midwest. So to be clear, not fighting with a broken right arm. On no, but I would fight with a broken right arm. I've always said if I can walk to the, if I can walk to the cage, I'll still fight. <laughs> My arm's not broken, but if it was, I'd go fight anyway. <laughs> Got to respect that, man. Got to respect that. Uh, and that's why we love it, right? That's why we love the fight. It's going to be amazing. Um, look, I think it's an all-action fight. Uh you know, I, I think Michael Chandler, I, I I think he's pretty realistic about the fact that, you know, he's not really competing for a title shot right now. Um, I, I don't know that – I haven't seen a whole lot of talk about it. But, I mean, you know, you know, it's, I guess maybe if Poirier were, were able to beat Oliveira next month, you could make a case. But I, I just – I don't see it happening, to be honest with you. Um, I think at that point – at that point, maybe the Makachev pressure uh, does become a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit heavier. Um, saying, "Look, you know, Chandler just be Gagey. You're not going to put Chandler back in there. You're definitely not going to put Chandler and Oliveira back together if Oliveira wins. But you know, I should get the shot at Poirier instead. Um, we'll see. We'll see how that all plays out. I, I don't think Michael Chandler is here competing for a title shot, but." I do think that Justin Gaethje is potentially fighting for a title shot, right? Um, he wins here, and he wins impressively, and he wins on this stage. Um, there's going to be a whole lot of talk about it, and, and he's right there. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you heard the line of, of him saying, uh, you know, if, if, if I don't get the title shot, we riot. Uh, I, I thought that was great, um, and I think it's fair. I Look, I just think he does have the inside track. Uh, no disrespect to Islam, uh, but I think Islam needs kind of one more fight to, to, to get in there. Um, but uh, I did think this was interesting. There was a little bit of an interesting discussion I wanted you to hear, which was, you know, how things play out with Ali Abdelaziz and, of course, also the Daniel Cormier uh, involvement as well and kind of where he stands and, and what he's he's done and, and, and how he uses his leverage a little bit and why Justin Gaethje got so upset about it. I, I thought, honestly, it was kind of an interesting discussion. So here, here was that section of his media day. I'm curious what you made of Islam's performance the other day. Yeah, it was impressive. Um, you know, it sucks for Dan. You know, he, a late replacement, you know. He wasn't the guy coming off a full camp preparing for Islam. That's what that was. And following that, what did you make of Daniel Cormier's performance in the post-fight interview? It's incredibly biased. Yeah. Do you think that's going to be a problem coming up with these uh, guys? As fighters retire and become commentators, they still have teammates in the sports. They're going to kind of find it harder and harder to put aside that bias. At the end of the day, I love Cormier. I don't, you know, I felt it was my job that night to tweet and call it out because that's what I saw. Outside that, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Um, I think he knows that he should be in a, an unbiased mindset when he's doing this, and that probably, you know, I would hope that that's uh, important to him. You, Benil Dariush, Islam, all managed by the same guy, all of you guys in the same weight class and doing very well. What can you tell me about how Ali does approach you guys about sorting all that out? Because obviously you got to do your thing, but, you know, there's almost like a conflict a bit. Yeah, I've never talked to him about it. Never brought it up. Never brought it. Never had it brought up to me. Um, yeah, there's, he, has a, he works for me and he works for them, but they're different businesses. So, yeah, he needs to run each one accordingly. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. If I, if I would have seen him being like, yeah, DC, I, I agree, then yeah, I would probably have been pretty fucking pissed off. But, you know, he knows that that wouldn't be the professional thing to do. He's a, he's a great manager. He's a professional. Um, and loyalty runs a long ways. And, um, you know, I've probably been with him the longest. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes. I'm number two. He's number two. Benil's number three. I love that dude. Islam's number five. Like that dude. Hey, you hey, know. He wins, you get a backup shot. Who? Oh, I know that. Yeah, exactly. Or we write. Or we write, and he's right next to me writing. So it is what it is. I, I trust that I trust that if I was to get snubbed this time, that he would go to war with me like we need to. 100%. <laughs> I enjoyed those exchanges. I got to be honest. Obviously, that was uh, Ali Abdelaziz was the, was the voice that was coming from the back. He had settled into a table behind me. I didn't even know he was there. And so he, when he shouted out, uh, I thought that was pretty good. But you know what's interesting? So, like, the stuff with D.C., 
Um, I, look, I think it's a fair point, right? I mean, anytime he's hyping up those those guys that he trained with or whatever, um, I think there's some responsibility there. you got to be careful. And I, again, I'm not trying to criticize Daniel Cormier. I know he's just going to bat for his boys, and he's always there to just have a little fun and, and whatever else. But, you know, if you're going to be on the mic and, and – and look, I guess at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what DC says. It's the people behind the scenes that are going to make the decisions as far as who's fighting for titles next or whatever. But, you know, when Cormier is on the mic and using that platform to be like, oh, this, you know, this guy, my, my guy, Makachev, he, he deserves the, the, the title shot next. It's like, well, wait a minute. Does he? Like, I don't know that you can say that. So um, <laughs> I thought it was pretty funny. I mean, if you didn't see it, Gaethje, I think he started the tweet by saying, suck it harder. <laughs> Uh, and then DC came back at him like during the broadcast uh, on Twitter saying, I can't fight you, but ism can, my guy. You just go and do what you uh, do next week. You may be safe. I'm not sure, champ. Uh, I don't know. It just, I, I do think there is something to be said there. Um, and it's at least, you know, I think for Justin Gates, you to be respectful about it, but say, hey, man, I don't think this is right. I think that's that's very, very fair. And then, of course, you, you, I just think it's interesting the dynamic of, you know, uh, being somebody that's represented by Ali Abdelaziz and knowing that he's got multiple clients in the same weight class um, that are vying for the same thing, but having the trust and understanding that, like, hey, he's going to go to bat for me because I deserve it. Um, and, and Ali has to be very careful about those as well. And Gaethje said it right there. You know, if, if, if Ali had been on uh, Twitter saying – you know, oh, it's the next champ, uh, 100%. Yeah, I think Gaethje would be uh, upset. And so it's a, a delicate balance that you got to strike there. But I just thought it was kind of fun to, to hear about it from guys that are directly involved in that relationship. So I, I, I do think if Gaethje wins, he's fighting for the title. If, if Chandler wins, then maybe Islam does get that shot. Maybe he sneaks ahead a little bit. So we'll see how it all plays out. Those three big, big fights. This whole card is ridiculous. Frankie Edgar versus Chito Vera. I mean, that could be a fun fight. Uh, you know, big moment for Frankie Edgar here. Madison Square Garden means a lot to him. Uh, you know, he did make it clear because uh, I'd heard some people say that maybe this might be his retirement fight or whatever. He was like, hell no, man. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be fighting on my deathbed. You know, he said he intends to keep going. So, uh, you know, it could be a big, a big moment for him to, to do it in his backyard. You know, iconic arena, Madison square guard Chito Vera though man Cheeto's tough you know and, and uh, this would be a big name for him to rack up as well so big fight there and then Shane Burgos Billy Quarantilla looks like it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun as well uh, <laughs> Billy busted my Billy Q busted my balls at the media day too man he sits down I think he was like the first person to go and he sits down and he's like man you don't have a beer yet like ah, 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 ah. everybody got a kick out of that in the media room it was, it was pretty good um Listen, the whole card, I mean, like I said, you go down to the, the prelims, you got the debut of Alex Pajeda. Um, still really intrigued by this. You know, we talked about it a little bit last week, but, you know, where do you stand with with, with how Alex Pajeda is being promoted? And, you know, obviously every question was about Israel Adesanya related to in some way, but he's got to come in here and win. Uh, he's a big, strong, powerful dude, so so we'll see. Andres Michaelidis is going to try to spoil that debut. Uh, imagine, you know, he's not going to be looking to stand and trade much, so we'll we'll see how that all plays out. Bobby Green, ally. Quinta could be a very, very fun fight. I love Bobby Green, the way he fights every time. Uh, his media day was fun, too, if you want to go check that out and, and, uh, and, and, and take a look there. There was also some... Uh, a little bit of comedy before that. Bobby Green and Mark Raimondi had had like a beef for years and years and years. And it related back to a story that Bobby wasn't happy about. Um, some quotes that he had given to, to Mark that I guess, uh, you know, Bobby kind of thought maybe we're going to be off record for some reason. And now my phone's ringing. But anyway, they, I guess as they walked in, they kind of said hey to each other or whatever. And, and, uh, and uh, Bobby Green kind of told the room, "Hey, we'd had beef, but we're we're better together, you know." And um, it's it's a, it's a short story, but I'm not going to tell it. <laughs> and then Mike Bond just busts out behind me. He's like, "Mark Remondi's used to short stories or something like that." Just making a joke about Mark Remondi being a short guy. Man, we 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 had all kinds of jokes in the press room, man. <laughs> it was uh it was a fun day of, of eighteen fighters in the media day. So uh Chris Curtis versus Phil Hawes, you know that fight that, that didn't happen and um is is now been rescheduled and uh Chris Curtis was kinda of funny saying maybe maybe Phil Hawes was like a mad genius, you know, they were supposed to fight at the Apex and uh Phil Hawes turned it down of course when Chris Curtis stepped in on, on last second notice uh and they rescheduled it and, and uh Curtis was very understanding, man. He gets it. Phil explained it too, he was like, Listen, man, um, and it did make sense. I was a little surprised when he made 
made that decision not to take the fight back at the apex. Um, but Hawes kind of made the, the the case. He's like, dude, you guys know what I've gone through, man. You know the the hiccups and you know what I've done along the way, and, and um, I just couldn't take a chance. You know, I want to have time to prepare. I want to do things right. And it's kind of hard to argue with him. You know what I mean? The day of, I was kind of like, oh, Phil, they're gonna be pissed at you. What are you doing? You know, but when he says it like that, where it's like, dude, like I, you know, was supposed to, you know, make it on the Ultimate Fighter. I was supposed to make it on Contender Series. You know, and just, you know, was always the super prospect, and things just kept happening weird. Um, I respect him for it, man. I really did. And Chris was actually really cool about it too, man. And uh, and that's what he did say. He's like, maybe he's a mad genius, man. He got us to, to Madison Square Garden, so maybe it worked out. So um, yeah. And then it kicks off with Nasruddin Imavov versus Edmund Shabazzian, which could be a great fight as well. All the way down to the early prelims to Ian Gary. A lot of people super high on that. John Vellante, I saw. Um, this is his retirement fight, man. I would ran into him at media day and just gave him a quick little fist bump and, hey, what's going on? Uh, I, and it's a shame because I, I didn't – that was before I had read the note that, you know, he was – this was going to be his last fight, man. I like John Vellante, man. He's just a, a good dude, man. I had a lot of fun times with him. Uh, on the road over the years, man. He's he's a guy you can definitely kick back and have a beer with, man. He's uh, we'll, we'll miss him fighting. So anyway, man, it's a, a loaded card, top to bottom. Um, I mean, how can you not be excited about this one, right? It's the biggest card of the year, I think the promo says. I think they say that all the time about every card, don't they? But it's a damn good card, and on the heels of USC 267, Man, it's it's gonna be great. Uh, obviously, uh, if you uh, if you like what you listen, you can leave some feedback on all the applicable places. That would be great. Didn't plug uh, the Patreon, but we'll say Patreon.com/slash the MMA Roadshow. You can catch the and a half episode that we'll record after UFC 268. And uh, listen, back in Vegas next week, back with cold coffee. So we'll bring him back in the mix, and hopefully at that time uh, we'll have some news about the new location of the expansive grounds of the Casa de Cold Coffee. Hopefully uh, everything's working out for him. But uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what's set up. UFC 268. It's going to be a blast. Uh, MMA Junkie full coverage. Myself and Mike Bond will be driving that, but the whole team is working on it. Uh, next week, uh, no contender series. That is wrapped up, so we'll have a little bit more time over in the week to do some things. And, uh, yeah, we'll bring it all to you. In the meantime, thanks for listening. love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.